This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week TV podcast. Back on the line with me again for this recording, Andrew Mercado. Welcome back. Hi there, James. Um, been quite a lot going on since we last chat. We've we've already talked about the upfronts for um, seven and for nine, and we've got a little bit of homework, I guess, with both ten and SBS. So is that probably a good place to start? Yeah, I guess it is. Will we start with Channel Ten first? Yeah, sure. Why not? Um, lots of anticipation that the deal with uh, CBS would be finished before the upfront. That didn't, in fact, happen with the um, the deal not really closing till the following morning, and then all the paperwork wasn't done till almost a week later. But that's all happened now. I'm not sure if it would have changed the upfront uh, too much, though, um, because they. I think we spoke to Paul Anderson, the CEO of Network 10, and he said, look, CBS have been somewhat involved in what we've, we've been doing for a little while, so they, they're all over this, um, what we've been announced. Yep, yep. Um, were there sort of any surprises for you in it, uh, in, in the stuff? I mean, it was all, it's all very about the, the Bachelor's almost their key property now, isn't it, with, with three different versions of the franchise? Gosh, is it ever, and I mean, oh, I just... Look, I know it's working for them and, and they'd be mad not to do it, but, oh, geez, I shook my head at that cast. I mean, <laughs> you, you know, the fact that, you know, it always it always upsets me that the people who behave badly are the ones who get ahead. You know, it's just, just such a terrible message to send to the audience. It's like don't go in there and try to be a nice person and be yourself. Go in there and be a troublemaker, be a bitch, be nasty to your fellow contestants. And, yes, like Kira, you'll get a berth on I'm a Celebrity, get me out of here, and then you'll be front and centre of Bachelor in Paradise. It's like I know I understand these shows have to cast villains for conflict, but, gee, you know, it just, for me, it really ruined uh, the last season here in Australia of The Bachelor because all those girls were jostling to be the bitch of the series and be the villain so that they could have a career like Kira and like the girl, uh, what's her name, Laureen, the other one that went on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Okay, okay. You know, so look, but I understand why they're doing it. It, It's a huge format overseas. Uh, It works in the UK as Love Island and uh, so, no, that did not not surprise me. What I really liked there was uh, I liked the idea of Julia Morris doing Blind Date. You know, okay. that a, a bit more romance. But, you know, Blind Date is a lot more of a sort of a, I guess, innocent format. I don't think it's quite so manipulative as uh, The Bachelor or, or, or all of that stuff. So I, I like the idea of her doing that. Um Drama-wise, I really, really like the idea of uh, playing for keeps, uh, which is about uh, footy players and their wives. I mean, it sounds very much like an Australian version of footballers' wives. Yes, yes, which didn't end too well, did it? Yeah, but, but you know, it's thought of very fondly. Oh, yeah, I like the sound of it too, I must say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's good because I think uh, – 10 haven't had a great year drama-wise and and certainly it looks like uh, Sisters is uh, headed to oblivion. It's been moved from 8.30 to 9.30 as its ratings just keep dropping disastrously week by week. So it doesn't look like that will be coming back. It doesn't look like Offspring will be coming back in the short term. I think they sort of have to think about 
where they're at with that. And it doesn't look like the wrong girl's coming back. So they've got to get some uh, some more stuff in there. So that's why uh, they've, they've done this bizarre spin-off from that ABC comedy show, It's a Date, and it's going to be Peter Hellier and Lisa McCune in a show called How to Stay Married. But you know what? That could actually be really good. Yeah, it might work, uh, mightn't it? Yeah, I think, look, it's probably time to cut the ties and all those dramas you mentioned, isn't it? And I, I think Offspring, like, it's had a rest and came back once, hasn't it? I mean, is that probably the end of the road? Well, I just think they got it a bit wrong in, in Offspring this year. I think the, the Proudman families themselves, I think people are very forgiving um, of, of that show because, you know, there's so much charm and so much inherent comedy in the Proudman families. But that new bloke that Asher Ketty was... Uh, uh, paired up with Alexander England. They brought in his family and look, oh, you know, they were just so boring. They ran a bus company and the father was cranky and the mother just kind of basically ran around trying to make sure that the father was happy. And then he had this boring sister that worked in the bus company. And it was just like, what are you doing, offspring? <laughs> the most boring family to ever come into the series. That's, you know, all long running series um, have the ones that are really successful as they go on and on and on are the ones that are the best at bringing in new characters. And Offspring, you know, really did not bring in new characters and, and that's why some of the fans said, why is this show still on the air this year? Yeah. The, the things that are the, the new Bachelor um, instalment, Bachelor in Paradise, that will run early in the year because they need to distance it from... Um, the Bachelor and Bachelorette, so we can expect that at the end of I'm a Celebrity, get me out of here next year. And I think uh, Blind Date, I've got a feeling that'll run at the very end of the year after The Bachelorette, because 10's certainly been light on uh, during the month of October, and I think we'll see Blind Date um, in, in, in November next year. I don't know, when you, when you think of the blind date and that, because uh, it's been a huge success in the UK, James, with Scylla yeah. Black, now um, her friend, what's her friend's name that hosts it now, Paul O'Grady, um, and it's still a big success um, over in the UK, and it's kind of like a Saturday night family entertainment show, so I don't think we're talking a kind of a reality run here, I'm thinking it's something that could run, you know, at 7.30 every week, like an all-star family feud. Yeah, I think that's what they're hoping for. It, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, they and the one area they think is is ripe for a bit more exploitation, if you like, is that sort of um, sort of comedy um, programming, like um, Have You Been Paying Attention, stuff like that, which is I think which works very well for them on Mondays. It's probably a little bit what uh, Husey, we have a problem, something in the same vein. Yeah, um, yeah, shows that might get up for them. Although I'm, I'm not sure if they've kicked a goal with Cram on Thursday nights, which would be hoping for that same audience. But um, the, the numbers for that aren't certainly very um, promising, are they? No, uh, it's not great. And, and like I, I didn't mind the first episode, but I haven't had time to watch it set, uh, it since. But you know, I, I love the idea that they're doing something like the ABC did with Comedy Showroom a few years back and they're doing a thing called Pilot Week. So they'll have some yeah. new ideas, they'll put it out there and they'll ask the public to decide which one should go to a full series. I mean, that's a brilliant idea. Look at the ABC. They've now got the letdown and Ronnie Cheng, international student. You know, that pilot thing worked well for them. There's no reason why that can't work well for 10 as well. Yeah, no, I like the idea of Pilot Week and I, and I think viewers might find it uh, pretty exciting too, lots of different things. Well, it uh, brings the viewers 
on board and, and, and you know, makes, um, makes them feel a part of the process. And, and I think in today's social media world, that's a really smart thing to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They're going to try a few more um, CBS programs uh, next year. I think Instinct, SEAL Team and uh, was it Nine JKL are some of the titles. Look, um, with CBS's expertise, they might be able to, f- to find a bit of an audience there, but um, those numbers for NCIS and NCIS New Orleans aren't that great at the moment, although the success of The Good Doctor would be making people think, well, if we can get the marketing right, maybe we can start to lift the audiences for some of these dramas, which do very well in the US. Oh, you're, you're so right, James. I mean, those uh, ratings that Seven are getting for The Good Doctor are just phenomenal. I mean, the show's going up in the ratings. It's getting over a million viewers. I mean, you and I have both sat here and said that the American drama is dead on Australian TV, and out of nowhere comes this little show that nobody saw coming and meeting yeah. twice a week and getting these unheard of numbers in today's fractured TV world. It just does go to show you that the um, the right show still can bring back the audiences. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's a brilliant result for uh, Seven and, as I say, it would be very encouraging for everybody else who's trying to get a show away. Um, Russell Coit is finally going to be making it to air in 2018. It was supposed to be here this year. Ten yep. said they, they just didn't get finished in time. So there's, that's the reason that's apparently being held over. And they've um, – well, Foxtel's confirmed two more um, seasons of um, Gogglebox, which, of course, also gets a, uh, a screening on Network 10. Yeah, yeah, um, and they, they, they axed common sense, which was a bit of common sense there as well. So sure. that never happened. And the other comedy that Ten are doing, of course, is uh, Street Smart with uh, Tahir and Rob Shahady, uh, who don't look as if they're going to be very busy with any more of uh, Here Come the Habibs for Channel 9. Correct. So, you know, they'll uh, take that, you know, ethnic humour of theirs, which I actually really enjoy, um, they'll take it to Channel 10 and it might actually be a really good fit on 10. Yes, yeah. Other programs coming back, um, uh, The Living Room, of course, will keep going on Friday nights, which is quite a success story, I think, uh, for them on Friday nights. Shark Tank's making another season. I saw a promo for that last night. They were asking for, um, looking for people who are interested in taking part to, to get in yep. touch, so production must be under. I was, I was a little bit surprised Todd Sampson's body hack was coming back. I mean, really? I didn't mind it, but it didn't do great numbers. Right, interesting. I, mm. I, that, that, I didn't even know that was that was back on the list. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, they're going to give that another crack. So, I, I, I'm not sure. Um, you got any thoughts about the uh, decision of um, to let Rob McKnight go at Studio Ten? Of course, you were in there recently for their anniversary program, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, um, it's it's very sad. I don't know what the the the, the story is there, but I mean, uh, you know, the talent really liked uh, Rob McKnight. He was very passionate about that show, um, and you know, he was uh, he was never one. He he certainly understood how to talk things up. You know, they were always having an exclusive this, and you know, sometimes it was a bit of exaggeration. But you know, it made you want to make want to watch the show and I will really give Rob lots and lots of credit for doing something different. 
He didn't go into that morning space and just do what the morning show and uh, David and Sonia are doing over there on Nine. You know, he's got that revolving panel on Studio 10. Um, they do some really mad stuff. Some of it works, some of it doesn't, but the audience seems to love it. And uh, whoever they get to replace him, I hope it's not someone that just goes, oh, we need to make this show like all the others because Studio 10's strength is that they're not like the other morning shows and uh, it really works in their favour to keep doing uh, unpredictable stuff. Yeah, yeah. It does make you wonder, though, if we might see the format change a little bit, doesn't it, in the future? Well, you know, I'm hearing from regular viewers and, you know, some of my friends, you know, basically work their day around this show because the show now goes till 12 p.m. and it gets yeah. another hour and, you know, you know, some of my friends are saying that's really kind of stretching the friendship a little bit there, um, <laughs> that last hour. Um, but, you know, the, the, they also say too the show's very good at flagging things like at 10.20 we're going to do this. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I don't think they need to reinvent the wheel too much there. I just think keep that show uh, unpredictable um, and uh, the audience is, uh, is, is going to keep coming to it. Yeah. Let's have a quick look at um, some of the uh, highlights at SBS. And uh, you had a bit of news, didn't you, you wanted to mention too about their sort of their World Movies channel, which wasn't part of this upfront presentation, but um, it, it might be on the move. Well, it's, it's over. It's um, word on the Foxtel website, as uh, someone um, advised me today, is it's going to be removed from Foxtel as of February next year. World movies will no longer exist. That's very sad because, you know, they screen some real quality stuff there. And, you know, clearly Pauline Hansen's a fan. She was spluttering the other day about the porn on SBS. Um, apparently she's just noticed it. Um, but, you know, World Movies was the one of the only channels in Australia that could, you know, screen uh, content that was a little bit uh, racier than the other channels, you know. And they used to screen some cracking uh, overseas films there. And, and it's very sad for me because I did, you know, three really successful movie festivals for that channel. We did two seasons of Aussie Exploitation and... Screen movies like Alvin Purple Uncut, you know, which is, you know, just fantastic. And we screen bad movies that are so bad they're fantastic. And it's just <laughs> really sad because I don't see any other channel that's ever tried to do anything different like they do. This goes back to my argument of Studio 10, James. Mm. You've got Foxtel movies sitting there pumping out all those movies on Masterpiece Channel and comedy and drama, just, you know, just a catalogue, just throw them all out there any old way, you know, no real thought about it. And then you had world movies being so beautifully and expertly curated to find films that didn't get an audience anywhere else. And that ethos carries across to SBS Viceland and SBS's main channel. The, the people at SBS really know movies and have been screening some fantastic movies over the last few years. And to think that World Movies is going to be taken off the Foxtel uh, channel when, you know, it says, you know, that it's, 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 it still rates better than many of the Foxtel channels there today, particularly their music channels. It's very sad. Can I say one thing to you, Andrew? Yeah. SBS On Demand. Ah, uh, yeah. Is yeah, that right? right. So I just wonder, it, it, you know, it, it, some people might mourn its loss, but 
I think the opportunities for what they're doing are even greater probably on that. And it's just the way that the world's going, isn't it? You know, that yeah. the, um, the, the cost of running the linear channel yes. is no doubt reasonably pretty high compared to what you can just pump out, um, you know, on the internet. And um, the, the breadth of the movie offering is already pretty amazing on um, SBS On Demand, isn't it? It really is. I look at it all the time. I've often watched movies there because I've been bored and they've got some great movies there already. You're right. Yeah, so I, I, you know, I'm just not without knowing how SBS feel about this, but I'm just guessing they might have been part of the decision to think, yeah, look, we can do a lot more and control it, you know, 100% by just sort of taking that audience across to our on-demand platform. Yeah, yeah. Um, Let's have a look at at, at some of the highlights of the um, the SBS up front. There are three new. Australian dramas, including the return of a family law for another season. Uh, they're going to have uh, try. They're going to try another food format at uh, six pm weeknights, and they've right. got a, eleven new Australian commissions uh, across documentary, food, and factual entertainment. Um, Isn't that interesting that they're doing a food thing at six pm when it's also been announced that? The ABC is going to do a new quiz format at 6pm as well. Yeah, well, I think people see it as maybe a, you know, lost opportunity, but because, um, but those sort of news viewers are still pretty welded, aren't they, to the the products at um, at 7 and 9. Yeah. But the, the, the sort of common sense tells you, well, there's still probably got to be a big audience that, you know, are interested in other stuff, but the nobody's been able to quite tap that audience yet. No, and I mean, how much news can you actually watch? You know, if you've you've seen one of the daytime bulletins, and if you watch one of those early news bulletins at four thirty or tens news at five, maybe you think you do need a break because some of those ABC viewers must watch the seven pm news on the ABC. So I imagine they're the ones that they're trying to go for who who actually maybe are looking for something different at 6pm instead of those commercial news services. And as with everything, a lot more people are just getting their news on demand when they want it, you know, without having to, to, to sort of um, build their lives around the network schedule of when they, you know, when they'd want to deliver it to them. Although the networks would argue, look, people are still saying they want their, they like that nice day summary at 6pm. Well, the ratings a- reflect that, don't they? Yeah, they do. The uh, those news numbers are holding up pretty well, whereas a lot of other stuff is, um, you know, they're still getting a million metro, pretty much uh, most nights. Or there is certainly some slippage this year at both the uh, at both uh, seven and nine. Um, the so yeah, it's a big it's a big commitment. A lot of that uh, SBS stuff looks bang on their charter. The sort of stuff yeah. they they should be doing. Um, some of those dramas sound pretty good. Look, I haven't been the biggest fan of um, of um, Family Law, but some people quite like it. The numbers aren't great, but then I guess a lot of people are maybe consuming it online and, and we aren't able to sort of track exactly how big those audiences are. Yeah, look, I've watched every episode of it and, it, you know, it, it has had some really funny moments and it's just one more season, third and final season. That'll make it more attractive to maybe send overseas. Um and, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I've watched it all. I'll, I'll be back for season three. Yeah, yeah. The, um, 
the SBS they showed some um, some segments of some of the dramas. They they looked pretty good. Um, so you know they're um, they again their drama drama numbers have never been great. But you'd argue you know it's the sort of thing they should be doing anyway. Yeah. yeah. It is. They, they make local drama with a multicultural flavour which plays into their uh, charter and they, they do dramas that nobody else had touched, so good on them. Yes, yeah. Um, they're giving their news a bit of a, a refresh. Um, spoke to Jim Carroll, their head of news at the upfront, and they've got a, uh, they're launching a big new set, I think, in the first week of December. So they're, they're giving uh, that a bit of a touch-up and explain their, their news numbers are actually uh, pretty good this year. So they're, they're very happy with that. The numbers for Insight, their sort of Tuesday night uh, current affairs show, have all also been uh, pretty good too. Yeah. Oh, and you know what? I really like the idea that they, they also do kind of reality slash doco that fits in their charter too. I love the idea of doing a show like, Muslims like us, where they're going to get ten Aussie Muslims with really contrasting views, and kind of do it in a Big Brother format with them all in the one house. I mean, you know, that's really interesting. You know, we sit out here as white guys, and you know, have all these politicians now like saying all Muslims are bad. I think it's really going to be really interesting to put the spotlight on them themselves and see, you know, a show where you've got some moderate ones and some more extreme ones. It'll really kind of break it down. Um, whether or not the target audience watches it, of course, is another thing. But, you know, I like the idea of that. Yeah, yeah. Look, I was underselling some of those numbers. I was um, reading off my ha- my notes and uh, and I've checked my <laughs> my published story. It's actually five new Aussie dramas yeah, um, wow. for next year. One of them is going to be on SBS On Demand. So there's three on the primary channel, but one they're commissioning just for SBS On Demand and also yep. one for NITV. Yep, yep. Um, there's actually 29 factual commissions wow. right across all their, their different uh, brands, including their first, I think, uh, SB, uh, SBS Viceland local commission. And yep. they're, they're upping the sport offering a little bit. They've got the uh, French Open, which hasn't been on free-to-air for a little while, I think, now. And, of, of course, the World Cup's on next year. But uh, instead of having it themselves, they've got to share that with, um, with Optus. But now that Australia's qualified, that's pretty good news for uh, SBS, of course, because they also get all the Australian matches. And can we also talk about the fact that they're bringing slow TV to Australia? They're going <laughs> yes. to be gone, the train going from, where does it go, from Adelaide to Alice Springs or Darwin, but they're only doing it for three hours. I thought the whole point of slow TV was, you know, it went for like 53 hours or something. You know, it's a big old uh, format that's come out of Norway or one of those kind of Nordic countries in Europe. Um I don't quite understand how you're going to compress the Garn journey into just three hours, but I'm a bit of a train nut, and we know that SBS has a lot of train nut viewers, so it might just be uh, interesting. Yeah, I'm with you. I was surprised. I thought it might have been at least 10 hours, and they do an hour of the journey every day or something. Yeah. Because, the, yeah, the idea is if you, you know, say you're travelling between, say you did it in, on the suburban Sydney, if it takes you an hour to go from... Sydney to let's say um, I don't know somewhere in the Blue Mountains where you you get an hour of that journey you know you, yeah, real time. lots of backstories and stuff like that but it takes yeah. the real time that the uh, the event real takes time. so the um, 
but but I guess that maybe they're just putting their toe in the water and testing it. And if they get a bit of an audience, well, there's plenty of uh, slow TV they could get into. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose because you know some of those. You know, I, I've I've done a few train journeys over the last few years. You know, particularly on um, places where you go, you you know the road like at the back of your hand. But yeah. when you go on that train line, you go off into kind of farming land that you don't see from the side of the road and it's absolutely beautiful you know i know that uh, the garn probably goes through a lot of desert where it's pretty much the same that could be where it is but you know there, there could be some other train journeys around australia that would be fascinating in real time right yeah yeah um they showed the the dramas they showed one they showed a clip from uh, dead lucky I think that's the one with rachel griffiths in it yeah right uh, gee, it looked really good i must say yeah, but, uh, that looks fantastic. Um, not everybody thought it did, but I thought it looked wonderful, and I'll be certainly uh, watching that. And they've got another one called Safe Harbour, which is a thriller, yeah. I think, um, set up in Brisbane. Yes, and um, that that looked uh, pretty good too. Boatload of uh, you know illegal refugees and the, the Aussie uh, boat that kind of discovers them. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Very now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And they're also going to have a second season of uh, The Handmaid's Tale, I think, and they'll be you can make sure they'll be uh, they'll be getting it'd be interesting to see how they handle that next year. Will they make it available first on the on demand platform or will they show it on on uh, on the uh, primary channel at a at a, an earlier hour than I think it was ten thirty at screen this year? That's right. I mean now that it's 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 a guaranteed, you know, bona fide hit, they may you're right, they may have a different strategy for next year. Sure, sure. But that's pretty much the highlights there. A um, couple of other things. I wanted to chat about a couple of things I've been watching um, on Stan. I've had a, I've been going to Stan and um, some of the streaming services. Um, the Girlfriend Experience, the second season, has right. turned up. Um, I really enjoyed the first one. It's been quite a while, but... Um, They've they've done something a bit weird with the second season. They've split it into two storylines. What do you now, mean? I've only seen like the first three episodes. Yeah. And there's so episode one, there's this certain storyline. Episode two, it's a different story, right? Right. Episode three, it goes back to the storyline in the first episode. So yeah. they they alternate weeks. Whether yep. those storylines will merge or not, I'm not sure. Oh, you'd think they'd have to, wouldn't you, by the end of the season? <laughs> I guess. I mean, maybe I should have read up a little bit more about it. But it's just um, – it's not confusing because you sort of understand that pretty quick. But the storyline one is fantastic and I can't get enough of that. But storyline two I found really boring. Wow. So you're sort of tempted to think, oh, I'm going to watch every second episode, you know. Ah, so. It, ah. <laughs> Yeah, so I, but then if you do that, you might miss the key point when they come together. Well, of course, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm, I'm not sure of that. I mean, the, the, the storyline one is set in Washington, D.C., and it's sort of, um, it's sort of a, an escort working to blackmail sort of a, um, I don't know, what's the sort of some sort of backroom people. It's a bit sort of um, House of Cards-ish in, in a way. Right. And it's really fascinating. The second storyline is set in New Mexico about an escort who enters a witness protection program. Right. And I, I just couldn't get into that at all. So I'm just not sure where that is going to go. 
But I'm sort of interested to, to maybe stick with it and just persevere and find out if there is some some crossover um, some crossover down the track. Yeah. What else are you watching on Stan? Um, now it's, it's Smilf S M I L F. Right. Right. No, Single sure. mother. I'd like to. Yeah, that's the yeah. one. I'm pretty sure that's on stand. Is it, or is that actually on Netflix? Yeah, look, I might I, be getting a little look, bit. Off the top confused. of my head, I'd say that it's on uh, stand as well. That's what I've always said. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, I think it's a showcase program, and that's right. part of their showcase. Um, um, was it no Showtime? I always get Showtime and Showcase mixed up. And <laughs> Rosie O'Donnell's in it. She she plays the mother. Right. She's fantastic. Right. Um. Uh, but it's a really, it's a really wild little little series. It's just fantastic. Yeah, it's on Stan, and yep. it's Showtime. It's a Showtime program. Right. And they have the output deal with Showtime. They do. Um, and just look, it's um, it's fantastic. As you you'd be familiar with one of the cast. Is it Samara Weaving, ex yeah, home, yeah. home and Away star, the um, niece of Hugo Weaving? Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, yeah. there you go. Okay. Yeah, she was uh, Indy Walker, I think was her name, when she was on Home and Away. That, yep, that's she, right. that sounds right to me. She did quite a few seasons. But, gee, it's a, it's a fantastic uh, little series. They're dropping one episode a week. Yeah. So um, there's only, I think, last weekend I caught up with a couple. They might be up to episode number three now. Um, it's uh, it's all the work of a, a very talented um uh, actor, actress, uh, director, and writer Frankie Shaw. So she so gets this. She stars in it. She created it. She directs it, and she writes it. Wow! So it's uh, it's fantastic stuff. So I'd sort of highly recommend that. But gee, that first episode that really uh, hooks you in. You think, gee whiz, I'm going to devote some time to this. It's just it's like a half hour sitcom. Yeah, yeah. And it's very very smart, very witty. I'm going to go for half an hour. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I'll give it a go then. I'm, I'm, I'm much more willing to try out a half-hour <laughs> show, particularly if it's a comedy, than I am to think about, you know, getting committed to a new drama. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, you what? I, I, I definitely want to hear back from you after you watch that first okay. episode because you sit there going, oh, my Lord. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. See, that's what I thought when I was watching Godless on Netflix this new Western that's just dropped there. Right, yes. I, I kind of thought, oh, you know, I'll have to I'll watch this. I'm reviewing this for media work. Oh, God, I've got to sit and watch a Western. And then, of course, my, the eyeballs popped out of my head. It was like, oh, right, it's this sort of Western. Like, it's <laughs> so full on and yeah. so graphic. You, you know, it, you, it, it becomes quite compelling, even though it's, you know, quite shocking. Yeah, well, this Smilf is sort of shocking, but in a good way. It's not sort of gratuitous and as... You know, it's um, it's it's yeah. So I just found it really intriguing. So it, it's really good. So and there's there's quite a bit of stuff coming up on Stan because the the new No Activity, yeah, is, um, the American version of it, yeah, is about to drop any day. Yep. So it'd be definitely be interesting to see how they've uh, how they've adapted it and how how different it is. Well, um, if you think about No Activity, it's an it's a show that pretty much improvised, James. So, it, you know, the basic concept will be very similar. You know, cops on a stakeout sitting in the car <laughs> talking to the people back at the base. But, you know, all the gags and all the kind of stuff that goes on in between could be really quite different because of it. it is basically a comedy improvisational show. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I was a fan, but, you know, I if I missed one episode or something, it was, well, it was no big deal, you know. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure about this one. And, of course, Wolf Creek, uh, the second yeah. season, I think it had actually had its Sydney or its world premiere. I think it was its world premiere this week. Yep. Uh, I wasn't able to get along, but, gee, I'm, I'm always a bit wary because, gee, it was so violent, that first one. I know, I know. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm definitely interested to, to have a look again, but, gee whiz, it'd be interesting to see if they've stepped back the, the violence at all, if it's still pretty. Well, I doubt they will after two movies and two <laughs> TV series, and, and the director, Greg McLean, says he's got an idea for Wolf Creek 3, the movie. So we're going right. to assume that... Uh, John Jarrett's character isn't dying anytime soon. You know, the, the first series of Wolf Creek suggested that he was going to die at the end, that he was going to get his comeuppance. Um, well, it certainly yeah. seemed that way. You thought of it, that how it ended, you thought, oh, there's no way he can come back from this, surely. But he's coming back. Yeah, well, there was that, that, I think, the very final scene, this car drove past, his car drove past. Yeah. You couldn't tell who was driving it, so it left it open to think, um, um is that him or somebody just stolen his car? Because it, it's certainly the what he suffered in that um, at the end of that first season. You thought, yeah. oh, that's the end of him, you know. You would have thought so. <laughs> and then, of course, Stan have got Romper Stomper coming on New Year's Day too, and they've they've dropped the first trailer for that. Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a massive end of the year for that. Well, I, I haven't even looked at the trailer yet. Look, I love the cast though. Yeah, so um, do I. I've watched the trailer and uh, Lockie Hume, it looks really different in it. He looks like a really scary sort of neo-Nazi. Barely saw Dan Wiley in the trailer. Okay. Um, a lot of Jacqueline McKenzie. She looked like she was sort of like a, a, a kind of a corporate high flyer and she said something like, I really won't be able to cope if this is all happening again. And, of course, you'll remember what happened in the first film, what she was involved in. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, uh, it was this one's very much, you know, the original Romp Stomper was, all, of course, all about Asian immigrants. This one's very much about, you know, the Muslims are the enemy. Um, and there's a, looks like a right-wing shock jock played by David Wenham who's in there stirring the pot. Look, it's, right. it, it, it's going to be interesting. There's no two ways about it. Yeah, it's, they must have worked pretty quick on this because they only announced it, I think, back in she might have been August. I've got the feeling the very end of July, and right. the the day they announced that they were due to start filming the following Monday, I think. Or wow! So that's you know those episodes, and to have it sort of all ready to go by you know the end of December. Yeah, they certainly haven't wasted any time. Yeah. Um. What else is sort of on your radar? You've um, Oz Music Month, I think you've been enjoying, yes, on the ABC? Oh, James, man, it's been so fantastic. That Paul Kelly concert live from Sydney Opera House on Sunday night, you know, I just, you know, I really didn't have time to watch it and I thought I'll just watch this for a few minutes because I've got to do some other things here. But, of course, I put it on and I just, I just couldn't walk away from it. It was just mm. so simple, just him Plain curtain backdrop, but those songs, those so many songs that you know and you that have seeped into the national consciousness. And Vicar and Linda Bull, you know, each got a moment to shine. It was just fantastic, you know. And they've been last night. I watched that doco on the Go Betweens that was directed by Crib Stenders, and you know, yeah. I just sat there by the end of it. I was ashamed that as a Brisbane boy, 
I didn't know more about this band that had come out of Brisbane. You know, I just found the doco so uh, fascinating, the way they shot it and the way the, the participants spoke about their lives. It was just so interesting. You know, it's, it's certainly going to be something I'm going to seek out. I'm going to look for some go-between music now. And then, of course, the, the cherry on the cake, James, is Friday on my mind on uh, ABC on Sunday night. I've watched part one. and in Okay. The Aussie miniseries of the year. Oh, wow. And I noticed that TV Tonight probably agrees with me. They gave it a four-and-a-half-star review. Yes. It's just the most joyous thing I've seen in a long time. And they've these actors that they've got, the, the guy playing Stevie Wright, I mean, he is uncanny. It is like watching Stevie Wright move on stage. I couldn't believe it. And it's just, it's really well done. It's um, directed by Matt Saville, which I think has a lot to do with it. And it's written by Christopher Lee, who did How's That? And it's made by Playmaker. And, you know, I guess Love Child, I I never ever really bought the notion that Love Child was set in the 60s. It always felt like a bit of a, I never really believed that it was authentic 1960s uh, location. But, you know, that's what it took them. If that was the warm-up act for Friday on My Mind, I really, really buy the era in Friday on My Mind. I can't recommend it enough. It's, you know, we've had a couple of Aussie miniseries this year that have kind of underperformed and underwhelmed, like Wake in Fright and Hoags. Um, This is the Aussie miniseries of the year, Friday on My Mind about the Easy Beats. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you. That uh, go-betweens was uh, fantastic, I thought. It was so well-researched. I loved all the sort of drop-in interviews. It was just really good. Uh, they had, I think, they had a Sarah Blasco thing, I think, a week ago too, in that, which is like a little Tuesday music doco slot they're sort of seen maybe developing. It'd be sort of good if they could keep that up, wouldn't it? Oh, look, I, I just love it that they, they turn over their programming in November to this. I mean, on Sunday night, the ABC will do Friday on My Mind. Then when it finishes, they'll repeat Blood and Thunder, the son of the, the Sound of Albert. It's all about yeah. you know, Ted Albert and Albert Music, which feature heavily in the miniseries. And then at 11.15, they repeat Crowded House live at Sydney Opera House. It could be up to 1.30 a.m. with Aussie Music, and it's just so great. And, and I've got to laugh, James, because... A couple of nights later next week, the Arias are on Channel 9, back on mm. Channel 9 after many years away, you know, and here's their celebration of Australian music. And when it finishes at 10 p.m., it's followed by, you think I'm going to say Australian music, don't you? Oh, no, it's followed by Harry Styles live in Manchester. Seriously, yeah. which part of Aussie Music Month aren't they getting there? Harry Styles will be performing, though, at the Arias, so I guess that's... They're hoping to keep some of that audience, I suppose. Yeah, and Harry Styles, Styles is popular. Let's get it. But yeah, I, I, yeah. I've been loving. Um, I've been loving ABC Oz Music Month. Yes, yeah. I, Friday on my mind. Do you think that's? Um, I don't know a lot of the cast very well. They are. Um... They're all unknown, James. Huh? They've yeah. cast people who uh, look like um, the act, the people, and can act. Um, the guy that uh, is playing George Young, who, of course, is the, the brother of, you know, Angus and Malcolm Young, um, and both George and Malcolm have, have recently died. So this is a lovely tribute to them. George, uh, William Rush, his name is, he's a British actor. They brought him out to play this role, you know, because okay. they're all unknowns um, who play the easy beats and they're all fantastic. 
And, uh, yeah, it's uh, you won't recognise them, but, geez, you'll buy that they are the easy beats. This is, this, this is why it works so well. You actually go, okay, I almost feel like I'm watching a documentary. Yeah, yeah, watch out because they uh, actually filmed some of it in the um, in our street outside here up in uh, Potts Point because it does look very British out there. So they, they had, I think they had, a, it was one of the scenes where they had a taxi cab they had a horde of screaming girls when they coming in and out of buildings. Ah, so. <laughs> cool. Because so this will be in part two. I haven't watched part two yet, but part two is them basically getting ready to get on the plane and see if they can uh, replicate their success overseas. Yes, yeah, yeah. I always thought Playmaker did a reasonable job of recreating the sixties in in that um, in Love Child. Yeah, so I, it, I just never bought it. I, I, I quite I, I thought the show was okay. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not more just talking about the atmosphere. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure about. Oh, I wasn't a big fan, but but I still I thought some of the scenes looked reasonably sixty-ish, if you like. Yeah, yeah, it was all a little bit comic book candy coloured for me, but they get it absolutely bang on in this one. Yeah. Um, so you, you'd like um, good music because you're still not a fan of Secret Daughter. Have you been watching much of it? Yeah, I don't know whether you saw Gogglebox the other night. But they were watching The Secret Daughter. And, you know, every time Jessica Mowboy broke into song, like everybody watching the show kind of went, yeah, Jess. You know, they loved it when she was singing. And in actual fact, it's actually ridiculously cheesy that we've got an Australian drama that's sort of like a musical. But people love Jessica Mowboy so much they buy it. And then the music stops and, oh, that is the worst show, on, worst Australian show on TV, James. I yeah. want you to imagine for one second if Jessica Mowboy wasn't in that show, what are you left with? You are left with really a lot of cliches and some really average acting and some I, – I cannot believe that they made a show uh, about a – a pub in the centre of Sydney, a rich publican who dies, and Jessica Malboy is supposed to be his, you know, illegitimate daughter. And there's two sons there, two brothers that, you, you know, are kind of Sydney playboys, and yet they're both virtuous, lovely men that love their girlfriends, and you just go, come on. You know, we've all seen the stories of what, you know, Sydney heirs to fortunes are actually like the real life stories. Why wouldn't you put a bit of light and shade in there and actually have one of the brothers be a bit bad or a bit of a, you know, misogynist or something? It's just so lazy. Um, I, I really, really don't like The Secret Daughter. It's like the worst Aussie drama I've seen in a long time. But I love to hate watch it, James. <laughs> I sit there on a Wednesday night flicking between it and sisters um, and I just sit there laughing at how bad it is. And I love that moment in Gogglebox where the promo came on and they said, you know, Australia's favourite drama and the father uh, uh, burst out laughing and said, I can tell you one thing for certain, that is not Australia's favourite drama. I was like, bang on. (laughs) (laughs) Did um, I I finally uh, watch the... uh last episodes of uh, Liar last night. Gee, I enjoyed that season. Did you uh, Did you catch much of that? I haven't watched the last episode of it yet. I've watched the first two and, I'm, and, I, and I need to play catch-up. Okay, well, no spoilers from me, no, but it's no, uh, no, no. It, was, uh, it was fantastic. Um, somebody told me it's um, been commissioned for some more too, so yes, that'll be interesting. Series yeah. next year. Where, uh, where are you at with Dr Foster? Um. I think I'm one behind broadcast. Okay, that's yeah. good. Yeah, 
But yeah, I, I, there were similarities, I thought, between them. I just both found them very compelling. You know, sometimes you sit down, you think, gee, I'm really going to enjoy this, um, yeah. this, this program, you know. That, see, that is actually what I think Australian dramas need to need yeah. to get. We'll crack that code of what yeah. makes these British dramas that actually kind of have very simple concepts. Wife finds a stray hair on her husband's jacket. Is he having an affair? That's how Dr. Foster started. And mm. we were on the edge of our seats. Yes. You yeah. know, it's, they come up with these really simple concepts, but the way they present them, it's just you can't tear yourself away from them. Whereas here in Australia, we're doing these quite complicated concepts like sisters. You know, here's this doctor spraying his sperm around with, you know, <laughs> brothers and sisters all over the country. And I watch it and I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to be a little bit quirky, but I watch it and go, but it's just not coming together. It's all just a little bit too much, you know? Yes, yeah. Yeah, you're right. If they could crack that code, you know, and uh, and, and just have a thing you, you really want to see, you know, you really yeah. – you can't wait to see what happens next. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of what happens next, what's going to happen next on House of Cards? Well – Kevin Spacey's gotten himself in all sorts of trouble and he's, he's one of many now, aren't they, who have been dropped and fired and um, – I cannot believe that people I've, – I've actually – read some uh, tweets and things from people saying, oh, you know, can House of Cards survive without Kevin Spacey? Um, hello, Robin Wright is right there ready to take over. Didn't House of Cards finish with its last episode with her facing the camera and saying, now it's my turn? Yep, well, correct. Well, it's her turn. She can carry that show quite well without the husband. They can shoot him in an assassination plot and she can do a Hillary Clinton and take the main stage and that show won't even blink and up, blink for a minute with the departure of Kevin Spacey. She is more than capable of uh, keeping that show going. Yeah, I just wonder. His character was almost getting a bit tired too, wasn't it, I think, you know? And, yeah. But, but I say that with the benefit of hindsight <laughs> when you know what he's really like, so it's hard to divorce him from that now, isn't it? Whenever you see him thinking... I don't like, watch the show because I've never liked Kevin Spacey. I've okay. always said I don't want to... I, I, I love Robin Wright, but I'm really not a Kevin Spacey fan. So if they do a, you know, standalone with Robin Wright, I might actually watch it. Yeah, same. I'd, I'd definitely do that. And you yeah. tend to think, well, maybe they'd just do one more episode and that'd be it, do it with her. But who, yeah. who knows, though? It could go off anywhere. Yeah. If it really works, maybe it's back for, you know, a, f a few more. I'm not so certain, though, James, that Transparent can survive without Jeffrey Tambor. Oh, okay. So just resigned amidst, you know, allegations of sexual misconduct. I mean, when, you know, the, the, the writer's saying, oh, well, every, all his family, they're all so interesting, we can do the show without him. And it's like, seriously, the show was about him as the father of the family coming out as transgender hmm. and living life as a woman. And I just go, how could you keep doing that show without the main character there? To me, I, I don't know how that would ever work. Right. Okay. Okay. Let's wrap up today with maybe your thoughts on a couple of um, of uh, soap operas, mate. Um, there's some changes coming to Days of Our Lives. Yeah, Days of Our Lives that screens uh, real time from the US on Arena. Eileen Davidson, who a lot of people know now from The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, she's been in The Young and the Restless for, you know, over 30 years playing right. Ashley Abbott. But she's left 
Y&R a few times to do these uh, long-running stints on Days of Our Lives where she has shown her comedy chops. At one stage, she was playing five characters, James, at the same time. Wow. She was playing Kristen Demira. <laughs> she was playing a set of triplets. Um, the, there's the, One of them is a nun. One of them's this kind of buck-toothed girl uh, called Su- uh, Susan. And then there's a hitman brother called Thomas, and they've all got buck teeth, so they're hilarious. And then there was like a English lookalike cousin, and she pulled off five roles simultaneously in this show. And judging from the promos from Days of Our Lives, uh, she's bringing many of those characters back. And I tell you what, I, I haven't watched Days of Our Lives for uh quite a while now, but I will not be missing a moment while she's there. She is one talented actress. So who's screening it now? Arena screens it. They screen both their shows around midday. Yeah. Um, Days of Our Lives is expressed from the US. So, you know, it's November sweeps in the US at the moment and Eileen Davidson's in the show for sweeps. So I'd be uh, checking it out very soon. She's due any day now. In yeah. fact, I think one of her characters is already there, but there's more coming. Okay. Okay. Um, they so and give us up uh, an update on Home and Away Neighbours. Now there was a, a relatively um, it wasn't a cliffhanger really, was it? But there was quite a, a major save on Home and Away just this week in the the in the car yard. Did you see the episode this week? Oh, the- no, I mean the cover of TV Week says next week who dies, the tragedy that will change Summer Bay forever. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not too good on my characters, but it looked like one. Is it the River Boys or the Wild Boys? Or the, well, there's no more River Boys. There, are any of them left? Who's the bloke who gets around in a leather jacket now? And the um, oh, that's most of the cast, James. They've even got a girl who's <laughs> arrived in leather now on a motorbike called Willow. No, look, what it is now is you've got the Morgan brothers. You've got. Uh, Jake Stewart and all of his brothers. Okay. He's always getting around. You know Jake Stewart that used to be on Pack to the Rafters? Oh, yes, yeah. Got another uh, good-looking guy that looks like a river boy. He's Robbo, played by Jake Ryan. He's come into it too. So, you know, they're, they're always involved in some criminal activity with drug dealers. It's, it's a constant plot in uh, Summer Bay. Yeah, well, if someone was locked in a car in a car wrecker's yard ah. and this big car wrecking machine was going down a line of cars and it nearly got to them. Right. And, and she was pulled out at the last moment before the, right, okay. Before she was crushed in the car. Yeah. It's reasonably exciting. It didn't do well, much. Isn't that, isn't that Pia Miller? Wasn't she the one that's in the That's the one I'm thinking of, yeah, Pia yeah, Miller. Yeah, yeah. Who's, she's a policewoman, right? Correct, correct. Yes. Well, now you okay. see, I do believe that Home and Away has got to be, it has to be heading towards some mammoth cliffhanger this year because when it comes back next year, I think that's its 30th anniversary. Right, um, it is, isn't I think it? we're yeah. about, you know, when it it started on Australia Day 30 years ago, I think next 2000, January uh, next year. So I believe that we should be, ce- that there's a huge 30th anniversary celebration for Home and Away. Right, right, okay, okay. And what's going on at Neighbours? Can we expect a big Christmas cliffhanger there? I would expect so, James, because this is their last ever Christmas cliffhanger because the show's about to go, you know, 52 weeks a year. The UK have asked for it and they're getting it. The UK Channel 5 signed that new deal. They want it on on screen all year round and they want some uh, extra 
uh, episodes like primetime specials. And the first one's going to be the return of Natalie Bassenthwaite next year as Izzy. So um, that means that this year this will be their last ever big Christmas cliffhanger. So uh, knowing Neighbours, they've probably got something really special planned because at, the, at this rate they're uh, never going to break for a, um, a, a summer again. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it also means they'll be able to celebrate Christmas in real time too, like all the English soaps do. Yeah, yeah. All righty. Okay, look, let's wrap this up. I'll give you a quick thing of what I'm watching and you can see if there's anything else you'd be recommending we tune into. So, yeah, look, I've got one episode of Stranger Things to go. I just haven't been able to knock it off. But, gee, those, I think episode eight is wild. Nobody should miss that one. It's an incredible episode. I was almost getting a bit jaded with this sort of strange underworld that um, that they move in and out of, but, gee whiz, it, um, it really got me into it. So this the second half of this second season of Stranger Things has been fantastic. Yeah. Have you been a fan? Have you been watching it at all? Um, I haven't yeah. watched Series 2 yet. I watched Series 1 and absolutely yeah. loved it. But uh, I, re- I really struggle to binge these series at the moment. Yeah, I same. Same. I, I can't do it. Just when time. Am I, when am I going to get the time? Exactly, exactly. But the thing, there, there's going to be a third season. There's even talk of four, maybe five. How do you think they'll treat these characters ageing, though? They're yeah, just going to well, have to write them as adults, maybe? And Well, that sounds like the plot of it then, if you, you know, go away for 20 years and bring them back as grown adults. Yeah. Mm. Um, I, I definitely want to watch Godless. It sounds fantastic. Um, yeah. So I think that's available from uh, Wednesday of the week we record this, actually. So it should yes, be. I, I think it's out there now. Should be uh, up so now. I'll s- definitely stick with uh, Smilf and yep. um, uh, the wonderful Frankie Shaw and Samara Weaving. And I think Samara's also going to be seen in Picnic at Hanging Rock, I think, too. I think she is, which, too, next year. Which, which we'll be getting uh, next year. Yep. So, what, what what else? Anything else on your radar that you say well, we watch out for? The one that I've got to find time for is uh, the Crown series two. Is about oh, of course, yes, yes. And uh, you know, the those of us like in the media are lucky enough to be able to watch it. And you know, if I start watching one, then I'll be up all night. So I'm being <laughs> careful about that because I need my sleep at the moment. But yeah, that's that's my next big one at the moment. I'm just kind of. Dipping out, Will and Grace is on hiatus, which is probably a good thing. Um, okay. Gogglebox is, is going to finish this week. Um, you yep. know, cause, I mean, we're in the second last week of ratings, aren't we, James? A lot of all the Aussie dramas kind of start wrapping up next week, so I'll see how they end for the year. Um, and Kath and Kim, we've gotten to the end of that. So, uh, yeah, I've got some time up my sleeve. It's good. Yes, uh, absolutely. Look, I'd, you know, I, I'd love to get a bit of time. I'd love to get onto SBS to, On Demand and watch some of those European dramas too. Yes, but geez, yes, absolutely. You know, the time it would take though, wow. Yeah. So much good stuff. All right, Andrew Mercado, look, great to talk to you. Maybe the next time we chat we might be uh, looking at the year and doing our lists too, so start giving that some thought maybe. Okay. God, all right. Jeez, yeah. there, there you go. Now I don't have time to watch season two of The Crown. I'll be thinking about the rest of the year. <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah. Well, you know, that's uh, that's one certainty on your list anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, Andrew. Uh, thank you. We'll talk soon. Thanks, James.